1: War Games. Also, the NXT UK women get a title. Leo Rush gets his first loss. With me, Chris Novembrino. Chris, it's time for the cleanup section. The floor is yours.
0: I would like to begin with a a somber and reflective ha ha for Leo Rush's first <laughs> loss.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, well, while we're here, I'll get the plug in. Patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We're going to start putting out uh, premium content in December. Uh, holidays get, are coming. Holidays are coming. So maybe I'll have some time to record some audio. That's Santa
0: Hawks is going to bring us something really, really good this year.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Really? Um, I am hyped for this War Games card. I really am. I'm going live. And the reason why... Is as a kid, war games meant so much. Like if you go on the WWE Network, I, I double checked this, and they have a collection which is basically from the Blu Ray for the most part of uh, of the war games that they have. Any war games before ninety two, ninety two and before are really good. I mean, that's when you get Dusty and the Road Warriors. You know, you have that eighty nine one, which is kind of weird with the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express and Dr. Death versus the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team, which is his own kind of awesome. Uh, The closest I ever got, I did see live war games in Norfolk, Virginia in 91, which was uh, the year I graduated high school. But it was, I mean, listen to this lineup. This is a nothing lineup. It's Sting, Lex Luger, the Yellow Dog, which is Brian Pillman under a mask, or Shane Douglas under a mask. I can't remember which one that was. And El Gigante. El Gigante against Barry Windham, Nikita Koloff, Kevin Sullivan and the one man gang with Magnum TA as a special guest referee. It was it was it was not the blood feuds of the early 90s and and late 80s war games, but I highly suggest if you want to see some some carnage, go go watch some of those on the network, but uh yeah, i uh, got a lot to Let's go over. Let's begin
0: with the cleanup section, though. So yes, the cle- I want to talk let me ex- about... Let me explain okay, the cleanup, explain cleanup section. The cleanup section. The,
1: the cleanup section is there are certain points at Raw or SmackDown that sometimes we miss, sometimes we gloss over, sometimes we meant to talk about it, and this is why the second show is always good, that we can double back and go, oh, yeah, we forgot to go over this. So, Chris, cleanup section opens with you, sir.
0: Yeah, so I want to talk about the Dean Ambrose promo from Monday, and we sort of had it on the slate, but then we moved into our Survivor Series preview. But I found that promo to be wholly unsatisfying and you might not be surprised by that. Obviously, I have problems with the idea that Dean Ambrose doesn't have to explain himself, and those problems go a little bit deeper because someone put together a whole bunch of stuff that WWE did the first time the Shield broke up where Dean Ambrose was talking about how if there was ever a betrayal, Seth wouldn't even have to worry about it. All of the cards, all of the pieces to this story have been available to them And they have elected not to go down that path. But my real issue with them punting on explaining why Dean Ambrose did what he did is it now makes Seth's journey sort of meaningless. What is he fighting for at this point? He's the real casualty of the lazy punt of the writing, not Dean Ambrose, although I would also argue that Dean Ambrose
1: suffers. Um, I am going to agree with you. this, This promo... I thought it was good at first, and then as I stood back and, and watched, I went, no, you, you can't do that. You, you, if someone says, I'm not going to give you an explanation, it's because they haven't thought of an explanation other
0: than they wanted to do this. Um, he would have been better off saying, I do what I want.
1: I, I would have just had him be silent, but that was kind of ruined when he came back. See, the whole problem with this turn right now was we've done the Dean Ambrose Seth Rollins reconciliation storyline the first time when we were trying to get the shield back now we have the second time and they cut and the shield reunion is cut short and so we have to think of another reason to break these two up again and I I think yeah no I agree I saw that video package I thought it was well done and you could have you know you could have shown seeds and things like that but you know, it's he's sitting on a car, and he just decides to burn the S.H.I.E.L.D. gear. It's like, okay. That part was good, yeah. but
0: that is a good ending to a beginning that didn't occur.
1: Yes, I, I agree. And, and you know what? It, if we had had the first Dean Ambrose here, if we had had the original S.H.I.E.L.D. Dean Ambrose, then we all really thought, oh, man, he's, he's, he's giving off Heath Ledger Joker vibes here. In terms of how good he was, I mean that that's really <laughs> that's really the main tragedy of of the shield is that with that when you're watching those pro and that Joker
0: vibe plays so perfectly off of the calculating, constructing architect vibe that Seth has. So you yeah. can always have this fire and ice thing between Ambrose and Rollins if you just stick to that character.
1: Seth, Seth was the planner, Roman was the muscle, and Dean was kind of the wild card, and. And that's what made them them so great that time. But they were all focused on violence, and then and then you know when they when they broke them up the first time, it was you know pro- as, as as we said here on Shake Them Ropes prop comic Dean Ambrose, you know ke- ketchup and mustard coming out of the back of an ambulance with things and you know it was wacky stuff. It, it just they they didn't get the menace part of. The chaotic, neutral nature That they don't know
0: how to make chaos, right? It's that their concept of creating chaos is having someone come out on a microphone standing in the center of the ring and stoically saying, we're here to create chaos.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas someone like the original Dean character would have walked into just any random...
0: He would have been interrupting matches all night.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or coming on commentary or... You know, beating up fans—you know—which <laughs> he can't do in wrestling—but you know, the, the, that that kind of thing in story would have been what he was doing. Yeah, I'm—I was not. Uh, I, I am—I was, but we're gonna get a chairs match or something at, at TLC, which will be fine. Uh, the thing I wanted to go over was Andrade, Cien Almas, and. They're not doing
0: something with him, Jeff. Remember when we had that debate? Yeah, they're not doing something. I
1: know that, but but it's something that they do do that just drives me insane. And we talked about this a bit with the with the Apollo Cruise. It's the one week push. Because during that during that match with Ray, they're really putting over what Andrade Cianomis, how he's hanging tough here. Oh, I could see him as a future world champ someday if he puts it all together. You know, those types of things in the narrative. And it's like you really think that they may build off of him off of the loss as well, and that this could be the start of something. And then the next week they just beat him again to Jeff Hardy for no reason other than they wanted Jeff Hardy to be on Team SmackDown. And I was just like, what was the point of all the blowing smoke about Andrade Cien Almas in a loss, if you're not going to protect him the very next week as well. That just drives me insane.
0: No, it's a real shame. I love this character, but turning Daniel Bryan heel even further makes it impossible to elevate this guy to where he needs to be. I guess you could have him be the U S champion, and maybe we get there eventually. But right now, Shinsuke's got the belt. So it's got to hop off Shinsuke, end up on a baby face, and then almost wins it. So that's still several months away.
1: I have changed my tune on my prediction from uh, Tuesday as well. Uh, this will get us into any of the four shows, but I think we should hold off NXT until last and, and do the preview then. But I think they now have to belt Mustafa Ali after Cedric beat Leo Rush. I, I think you have to, and then you have that match. Maybe a ladder match at at uh, TLC. I, I don't know if it's too soon to do that. I see Mustafa and Cedric as a rumble match, as a big-time pay-per-view type match like that, not to waste it on TLC, but...
0: They have a great sustaining story if they want to tell it. And, and the one thing I will say in favor of the writing on 205 Live is that... The people writing that show seem to have a pretty good finger on the show's history. Minus, of course, that one guy with the train who we never speak of anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh, the one doing a rap concert on Monday here in West Hollywood, California? Yes. That one? He's like a phoenix. While the WWE is in town, how much of the talent do you think is going to old Real Ones concert?
0: Oh, man. Um, Maybe Mella will be there.
1: (laughs) I somehow I doubt that. Um I liked I really liked the Leo Rush Cedric Alexander match. I the, the, that bottom rope into the stunner move that he did late in the match that just even 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 Nigel's going, "What was that?" Oh, that that move was No, good. It, was- it
0: was a really good match and the story was really good. Leo Rush is a very, very talented wrestler. I actually was surprised that he didn't win the match because I thought that that would have been the more intriguing finish. Further get so into too. Cedric's head.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought I thought we were going to do this Cedric losing streak until he snaps thing, but obviously they gave him the big win and then he's going to snap, I guess, against Mustafa because I don't think Mustafa is going to be the one to go heel. But, I mean, it's... It's just weird. Does it mean that
0: maybe Buddy Murphy retains then?
1: It could be. I mean, I could be. Because
0: maybe maybe we're just not going to Cedric Mustafa at this point. Maybe Mustafa loses and then Alexander gets another crack at Buddy Murphy because he's finally ready for the rematch. I always forget about that part of the story where Drake Maverick said to Cedric that he wasn't ready for the rematch.
1: Right. And he's going to – you know what? There you go. TLC – TLC becomes Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander.
0: And Cedric comes up short there, and then he has to get back on the train this time, and maybe Drake says he's going to have to work his way from the bottom, and that's when Cedric snaps and realizes he's going to have to be more cutthroat.
1: Or, may, or maybe we just get a multi-person cruiserweight ladder match at TLC, and Mustafa Ali comes out on top.
0: That would be, or Cedric comes out on top after screwing over Mustafa Aldi in a high-profile moment.
1: Yeah, you know, you can do all sorts of things. Uh, The other match here, Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak against the Lucha House Party basically was there to set up Maria on a video saying that TJP is going to be facing Grand Mental League next week, and uh, that'll be a great match. Um,
0: Yeah, that will be a good match.
1: I'm really looking forward to that one. I, I... These feuds are not hot,
0: but the in-ring action usually is. Yeah,
1: and that's that's the thing is we've seen we've seen Gallagher and Gulak versus the Lucha House Party like eight million times just this year. So it, it really, you know, but but the match itself was fun. But at the same time, you're like, okay, what is this in service of?
0: Uh, they stopped even attempting to tell a story with Gulag trying to make a better 205 Live. Mm-hmm, At least much. that was a coherent narrative through line for this show. And when they decided that they didn't want to put the belt on him for whatever reason, then they really didn't have that arc. Because it is easier to make this one-hour show flow when you've got a strong heel.
1: I agree. I think I think strong heels help make shows better. Uh, but that's also...
0: And not- no disrespect to Buddy Murphy, but he's not interesting enough on the microphone to do that part of the lifting as the heel champion. He's great in the <laughs> ring, but yeah. he just... He's not getting written well, and I, I think that's partly on the writers, and it's partly on him.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree there, because Buddy Murphy in the ring comes off like a badass. No, he's great. Like it, he, he's, he's the ju- he is the juggernaut in the ring. Outside of the ring, it's... Although I did like, I did like the Ted a tete on the way in even though...
0: <laughs> they keep I'm, teasing this Buddy Murphy is going to be cheating on his weight thing.
1: Yeah, they do. It, it's so weird, but it's also the only show where you shoot... They, they, they legit do weigh these guys, <laughs> which kills me. I'm like, okay, so Buddy Murphy decides to have a pizza one week, and he has to give up his title. That'd be hilarious. Actually, you know what? That's the way to get the belt off of Buddy. Is he misses weight one time. So so we're going to have this match between Mustafa and Cedric. That could be something. But uh...
0: In the weeks going into it, every cutscene, he's eating pizza and donuts. <laughs> <laughs> he's meeting with Drake Maverick and just shoving daily donuts into his mouth.
1: I'm eating my
0: feelings. <laughs> I'm the Juggernaut. I'm killing I'm the these juggernaut.
1: donuts. He becomes a middle-aged woman all of a sudden. He's just, just a giant dozen thing of hot and now crispy creams. Into... Oh, man. But no, it'll it's it it'll be fun. And, and then I think that Cedric, uh, or not Cedric, but Mustafa Ali... Buddy Murphy match is going to really tear the house down. But I do think it's I do think it's going to be on the pre-show. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a half full crowd to watch it.
0: And the worst part about the pre-show is it just means abbreviated attention and time. They don't put the effort into really booking these matches to have great moments because like WWE doesn't even like to revisit these things on the pre-show afterwards. It, it just, it's unfortunate because I think that if they want to make 205 Live a hotter product, they need to start treating it like a better product.
1: Yeah, and there's no reason to do a two-hour pre-show for any... I've any been reviews. saying
0: this forever.
1: I mean, I've now gone to the Rumble and... this survivor series and even a couple of manias where they had these two hour pre-shows, they open the doors and people are trying to get to their seats and they're already running the first match. And it's just, it it takes the crowd out of it. The performers are kind of looking around at all the empty seats going, why are we out here right now? It's really demoralizing in some ways. And there's not enough to talk about on a pre-show for two hours. with with the panel well and
0: then then who are they bringing in on this panel it's like Shawn michaels and and sometimes there are fun antics that ensue when people stop taking their job on the panel so seriously and just start having a good time and kind of like one person does the wwe script and you know michaels and whoever else are aping around but it's two hours is just a lot 2 hours is a lot of build up for for these shows that just simply don't deliver but I mean 2 hours is a lot of build up regardless.
1: Mhm. So, WWE UK NXT NXT UK. We have a women's tournament. Pretty good one. Concerning yes. the people. Yes, are it in is. There. I'm I'm liking the lineup. I you know, anybody who's been paying attention knows who's who wins this. But I don't want to give spoilers until it airs, just in case someone. I actually
0: themselves. don't know. I, okay. I I'm not. I don't even protect myself. I just make it a point to not find out because wrestling is more fun to me when I don't know the spoilers on stuff. Especially when I was doing Lucha Underground, I found it to be a mental health tactic.
1: Triple H comes out, reveals the belt, or has Johnny Saint reveal the belt to a knockoff uh version of street fighting man by the rolling stones i i appreciated the work around yet again of uh of copyright material but um yeah no the, the, these are the eight women that they're focusing the uh division around and uh i really like dakota kai and and her getting kind of rebuilt here in the uk territory and i thought uh Ginny and Millie McKenzie had a, had a pretty good match as well.
0: Yeah, they did. I really like Millie McKenzie. I thought she has really good form on her suplexes. And Ginny, I see what you like about her now. I I mean, I'm not entirely sold on her, but I'll tell you, her finish looks really nice. She does a really good job on that.
1: She has, well, number one, I, li- I just like anyone who can own a heelish presence. And she always on. She does that. But also with her, she is tiny in real life, or at least very thin. The amount of damage she she looks like she takes in an average match looks like it would kill the average person. And and Ginny just, just ragdolls and ragdolls and ragdolls. You know and what then, she
0: does very well? She does heel selling very yes. well. She sells like a heel. Actually, in that match, both Billy McKenzie and Ginny were doing a very good job, sort of distinguishing the difference between babyface selling and heel selling. Is something about the way Ginny does it? It's unsympathetic and almost comical at times.
1: Yeah, and she'll also just and 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 her her offense is vicious. Yes, and that's what I that's what I like in a heel. I I don't like. You know, I, I, th- that's why I liked Leo Rush so much last week. When he went into that vicious mode, I went, oh, here we go. That's pretty darn great. No, I, I loved this. Well, the rest of NXT UK, the only thing that stood out to me, I really liked Trent Seven's uh, little backstage interview. Um, yes, yeah, the Trent Seven and,
0: interview was very fun.
1: And the match with uh, Zach Gibson was quite good, I thought, too.
0: Yes, predictable outcome. I knew that Gibson was going to win because they're, of course, just protecting Gibson from having that first loss, but I did like how they protected Trent Seven and the Mustache Mountain feud, so that continues, and we will have this match now between James Drake and Gibson versus Mustache Mountain coming up.
1: Yeah, it looks like we're getting the uh, makings of the uh, UK tag team title tournament. With yes,
0: uh, yes, now they're going to be a team.
1: Yeah, with and also with Andrews and uh, Flash Morgan Webster forming a team. I think that's a pretty damn good team. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. You know, you have the Coffee Brothers. Wolfgang will get a partner that'll probably turn on. So, so you got the building of that. The thing that drives me nuts is that they literally call it the WWE or no they call it the nxt uk universe wouldn't the uk nxt be part of the nxt universe and couldn't they just cut that down because for me as a comic book fan now i'm thinking now we have crisis on infinite nxts like the dc universe we have certain well this is clearly something that
0: they've thought about like this is let's get into this they they've made some sort of weird editorial decision to make the nxt uk universe different from the nxt us universe which is just the nxt universe
1: um i think so but i think you're gonna get a lot more i mean you, you get one more nxt somewhere like a japan or right. the rest of europe and you can start having touring champions and you can start really having kind of a territorial system like, I, I, I see, see them, them
0: eventually wanting to open up in nxt china
1: china i I could see them pairing with lance storm to maybe run a mini pc up in canada even though he's probably making way too much money on his own doing it but they really like his trainees so i could see them doing something in canada maybe or mexico perhaps or something but lance
0: storm would be a really fun general manager
1: (laughs) if i could be serious for a moment we're not gonna have any of these shenanigans
0: oh man he could come out and keep doing that character again yes yes i am here for general manager lance storm
1: i will not put up with any of this chicanery
0: (laughs) now no one likes a good joke more than me
1: although i could also see him turning into 92 bill watson wcw all right we're gonna take the mats out from around the ring and no more top rope moves. <laughs> just just a, just, you know, the no fun commissioner. Uh but Triple H in his uh in his conference call before War Games kind of said something to the effect of we could we could start seeing cross pollination of these regional NXTs eventually. So so I guess that that's a good thing. But overall, the show it's it's weird. The thing with the most personality in this show is the crowd.
0: Yes, right. And they make a lot of these matches more interesting than they are on face value. Because These matches would all be duds in the U.S. And the show would be a total dud in the U.S. And it's not just a lost in translation thing. It's that a lot of these stories, like the Coffee Brothers and Wolfgang, they're just not compelling.
1: Right. It, it, it's guys in feuds having matches with one another. No, Nobody's really done anything to raise anybody's ire. Nobody's really kind of uh, personality-wise.
0: Or when they do, it's in really lazy ways. It's yeah. Devlin getting on the microphone and going, Hey, Liguero, I hear you're a luchador, but you're from England. What's up with that? I kind of
1: like that line. That line was funny,
0: but it's symptomatic of a problem writ large. Doing it once in a while, Devlin doing it in that particular scenario, I like. But that's kind of the way they're getting into all of these feuds.
1: No, I I agree. Yeah, it's guy shows up here, guy shows up here. Hey, let's have a match. Okay, great. Um,
0: It's T-Bone walking in front of Mastiff and they just stare at each other and like, watch well, what I'm going to do to this guy, which, which is okay sometimes, but again, it's all from the same family of ideas.
1: Yeah, I, I find the backstage interviewer a little too cheeky for my taste. I, I understand what he's doing. It's a, very, it's a very millennial type of thing, but, uh, eh, you know. I, I It's I, not I even millennial.
0: There's... It kind of reminds me a little bit of a Nickelodeon host.
1: They had a formula and they just popped people into it. And so now you have this NXT UK universe, ta-da, without really building a universe. So but there
0: was this I'll, fear of overwriting it and making it to US, but I think in that fear of overwriting this show, they have underwritten this show.
1: Yes, I, I would agree there. So that just leaves us with NXT. We'll go with the weekly show first. Uh, I love Bianca Belair. I I am here for Bianca Belair. And her cockiness and her swagger running headlong into Shayna Baszler after this takeover for the next feud. I, I want that. This is, that, to me, is something that's very undervalued in WWE writing, but territory wrestling always got it once in a while. There'd always be this heel who's just a little too cocky for their own good, and they'd run headlong into the badass heel and so you'd have that natural thing. And, of course, usually what would happen then is the cocky heel would then turn babyface in order to give your, give you know the crowd something to cheer for. But um, I, am, I am here for Bianca Belair or Shayna Baszler if they want to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I will say first and foremost, I stand corrected. You were right. I, I thought they were going to beat Bianca here and get Mia Yim going. I, I was surprised by that a little bit. But... I guess, yes, they still have plans to push her to the top. I'm still with you that she's not quite ready. She's still kind of missing something in terms of match flow. Good moves, bad flow.
1: A bit, but her personality has really improved in terms of yes. being on, on no, the No, her microphone. personality is
0: great, and the crowd loves her.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they will, uh, you know what? It may just be as simple as wrestling as a baby face versus wrestling as a heel.
0: That might open her up a lot.
1: That might open up just a little bit. Um, also in, in the women's division, uh Lacey Evans got a gotta win over uh the the daughter of Steve King, a a late seventies, early eighties prelim guy from WWE. Her name was uh oh, I had it here and I, I lost it. But I, I thought uh you know, I I thought Lacey Evans, once again, I I think she's money. I, I don't know if she's gonna be a breakout star in terms of that, but I think I worry if that they, they don't get her. Well, if she stays a heel, they're not gonna get her. Because her heel persona will work in NXT. It will not work on the main roster. Right. But if they if they baby her back to being a badass marine mom feminist, I, I think that's that clicks a whole crap load of marketing boxes for them that that, that they want. You know they could they could take her on on military bases and have her wrestle and the men will go nuts because she's a former marine. You know they they have the Stephanie type. Oh, of she's like that they World War Two
0: poster come to life, the we yeah. can two thing.
1: Yeah, we can do it with the yeah. No, I, and and I, I don't know if I like the women's right as a as a finisher because again, closed fist punches in wrestling are illegal, but. Um, wait, wait, no. didn't they put out,
0: like, the official WWE rule book and modify that?
1: Yes. Yes, they did. I did not pick up a copy of that, but I know people who did.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I get wanting to be a completist, but uh, the, these rules are subject to change without notice.
1: And then bypassing the coin toss, what later became kind of a staple in WCW war games, a match for the... Uh, for the advantage, for the man advantage in the war games, Kyle O'Reilly beat uh, Hanson. Hanson, right?
0: what a yes. great casting for this. I, I loved giving Hanson a showcase match here because he has felt a little bit lost in the shuffle, and, and this allowed him to show his stuff in a more complete Opportunity and the pairing with Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly's always great. I love him in singles competition. He's so good.
1: I like him so much more in NXT than I ever did on the Indies. It's so weird. This weird. He's had a goofball, great run here. This goofball heel charisma. It. It. it he never really. You never really saw it any evolve. You did see it in PWG when he was doing the. Uh, he'd occasionally do sleazy Kyle, which is just weird. But. Um, i absolutely loved that the war raiders weren't putting up with pete dunn and ricochet's crap yes and they just said we're going out there we're i'll do it and then they just kind of walked off um yeah that's what i want out of my war raiders i don't want them taking crap from the small guys i want them going we're big bad men we're gonna do what we want you two stay you two stay back here and bicker there's uh, a way go Hanson said
0: it, though, that I really appreciated. Yeah. It was calculating and decisive and forceful, and it conveyed a lot of character with very few words. That That's why I thought that this worked really great. It just got Hanson over in a way that he hasn't quite been, for me at least, um, since he's arrived here on NXT, although I'm familiar with his work elsewhere.
1: Uh, before we get into the preview, I... Uh, I guess at the TV tapings, which are taking place tonight in San Jose, where basically NXT really began in terms of takeovers. I went to that first show uh, a few years ago before WrestleMania, where they weren't really going to televise anything. Uh, They did it on the campus of San Jose State. I drove up there just for the NXT show, and I came home, and it was one of the best shows that they put on. Um, It was just absolutely great. But they're gonna be doing, I believe, the Matt Riddle versus Cassius Ono match. I have a question, Chris. Did Matt Riddle purposely misspeak on debut? Or does he not know that it's pronounced debut and he just pronounced it debut in his promo?
0: Oh god. I didn't even catch that. I'm gonna to have to check that out.
1: Yeah. No, he he goes, I had a heck of a week. I made my day butt. On <laughs> oh, my God. No, they're not making him the dumb stoner, are they? I could totally
0: see them making him kind of the idiot savant dumb stoner where he flukes his way to wins.
1: I have to go back and look at Kathy Kelly's face to see if she gives up the ghost on that one. That's something, that's something we should all do is just go back. Watch, watch that promo where he's with Ono, and see, and see, if, and see if Kathy Kelly, uh, you know, even reacts when he says debut. Because I, I could just see it. I can see it being a botched line, or I could just see him, you know, being a joke. And this could be the start
0: it. of the character. That yes, he's a goofy stoner, and I mean, they have been teasing the stoner stuff. I don't think they're going to do it explicitly, obviously, but when you give him a knockoff of Doctor Dre's music, I mean, the signaling is pretty clear.
1: Yeah, I uh I thought the promo was okay. I I'm looking forward to I've seen a Matt Riddle Chris Hero match and it was awesome. I believe it was uh at the uh, the Dallas Evolves during WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, I think I saw that match. Yeah, no, that was a fantastic match, so if it's half as good as that, it'll be it'll be great. But and I assume they may be on the pre show as well. They're they're they usually do a couple of uh, matches for NXT television before the actual TakeOver card. Um, so so maybe we'll get one of those. But uh, right now we're going to go into our NXT WarGames preview. A four-match card. Very interesting. They are not going to overstay their welcome. And, of course, WarGames does take a long time to develop because you have to get all the men into the match before the match actually begins. So we start first with, for the NXT women's title, Kyrie Sane getting a rematch versus Shayna Baszler. Two out of three falls. So this one's going to have some time to it as well.
0: I think Kyrie Sane is going to come up short here in this match. I think the fact that Regal didn't address the two helpers to Shayna, whose names are eluding me right Jessamyn now, Marina Duke. Shafir. Yeah, Jessamyn Duke. Jessamyn Duke, yeah. Jessamyn Duke was the one I was blanking on. Thank you very no much. Problem. And I think the fact that that has been unaddressed means they're going to be involved in the first fall, and then they're going to get thrown out of the match. But ultimately, Shayna Baszler is going to come out on top.
1: I, You know, looking up and down the, this, the four matches of this card, I could see three of them with chicanery involved, which may turn this crowd at least slightly onto it in terms of it being a bit overbooked this one might be because i think in the first fall Jessamine duke and marina shafir are gonna appear in the second fall in order to counterbalance that you're gonna get io shirai coming out maybe with someone else as well to even it out and then in the third fall Kyrie sane falls short because there's like chaos outside and someone gets a cheap shot in Shayna Baszler wins. But I I do think Shayna retains here. Um, and I think it may set up certain alliances for a six woman type match. down Right. Yeah. I think we're going
0: to build to a six woman match, but I think the belt stays on Shayna.
1: Yeah. Part of me was hoping, Hey, maybe they do a women's war games and that'd be awesome. But, uh, uh, l-
0: Especially with those two potential factions oh, Could you
1: imagine Kyrie Sane coming off the cage <laughs> With an elbow <laughs> She might. You know what? Shayna Baszler might be the only woman who could take that I'm there Okay, I'm there I'm there too I, I've now talked myself into wanting it So, so make it happen, Captain uh, Grudge match Johnny Gargano versus Alistair Black
0: I think Alistair Black Gets the win here but I think somewhere along the way in this match, both Candace and Nikki Cross get involved.
1: I agree. I think Candice Lerae is coming out. I think Johnny Gargano has Ooh, to win this match. Okay, okay. I, th- I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play us along for a bit. They're gonna finally turn Candace full on heel. They may reunite with Tommaso Ciampa by the end of the night.
0: I was thinking about that. Does Tommaso Ciampa help Johnny get the win here?
1: That would be uh, that'd be kind of interesting. I, I don't know for a fact, but uh, I, I think Johnny Gargano, uh, you know what? There, there's one of two th- thoughts here. One is if they're going to have Gargano go full on heel and they're going to have Candice join him, Gargano needs to get the win here against Alistair Black. If they're going to eventually do a redemption story sooner than later, Alistair Black has to kick his head off to really, you know, clear his head. <laughs> you know, what were you thinking that you were this driving this this hard to get to the title blah 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 blah. I I don't th- But then
0: you'd have to unwrite Candace. So yeah. I think we we're we're committed to doing a tandem thing with both Johnny and Candace as crazy
1: I just think it's weird if you put him and Champa together I, I I don't want to see that I don't think I think that's a bridge too far because you still you can still be a bad guy and hate someone even worse so I, I, I really hope they kind of it would
0: only that. work if it was kind of a Dracula Renfield thing at that point where Tommaso Ciampa convinces Johnny that he was doing all of this for his own good to make him a better man and that it's good and right that he has the title and that Johnny should want to defend Tommaso having the title because it's like them both having the title.
1: (laughs) We're we're co-title holders. Um,
0: Yeah, because we've been here all along, man. We've been doing this this whole time. It's been you and me, and you can help me defend this. This is our NXT. For the
1: NXT world title, Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa. I am... Let let, let me get this out of the way. I am looking forward to to Velveteen Dream's entrance here. I think they're going to do it big. I think it may involve an homage to Hollywood Hogan. I don't know for a fact that it might, but uh, I am very interested because his entrances are usually interesting. How do you see the match going?
0: I am also very excited for his entrance because his entrance is one on the level of Nakamura or Bobby Roode that you can just have so much fun really doing up. The match itself... I tend to agree with you. I think Johnny somehow gets himself involved. And I see Velveteen coming up short here. But the question is, how is Tommaso going to end up coming up with the win? Is Lars Sullivan going to inject himself in the match somehow?
1: See, that's another one. I don't know if Lars interjects himself. I don't know if EC3 interjects himself as well. This could be overbooked to death. Do you, How much of a percentage of a chance do you see them putting the belt on Velveteen Dream here?
0: Low. I think Tommaso walks out of here still champion. I So um, 25,
1: 30%. See, with Triple H being such a fan of the NWA. I love the Dream. I could see them pulling that. Well, we'll have him come up short this time. And then at Mania or at Rumble, he'll overcome and he'll win. And we'll, that's where we'll get the money. And that's where we'll get the pop. I'm not so certain that happens, but I do think... And again, we we always say this before every NXT takeover. Who knows what Velveteen dream you're going to get here? Because he can be clumsy. He's very big. He's also very game to be very reckless. So... um, I'm going to be very interested in that. I think he's...
0: You do have Tommaso Ciampa steering the ship here. Yes. Though, No, I- which I think will will be good. And, and look, the Dream's going to try. It's never for lack of trying. It's just that trying doesn't always equal success.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I look, I think it's going to be a decent match. I think they're going to try and cover up for some of Dream's weaknesses by smoking mirrors and having him do some stunts. And I think one of, he'll probably come off... The top rope onto the tables on the outside. I think that'll probably be a movie he'll, he'll want to do. Um, I have it a little bit higher. I, I think there's a I think there's a thirty five percent chance they put the belt on Dream here, but I think it's still. But it's uh, not
0: that much higher. I, I, it's still just. It doesn't feel like it's his time yet.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree there too. I, I think I think NXT being more traditional. The first time you fail, the second time you win. And I I think Tommaso Ciampa uh, wins here.
0: And you also just have to look at the other things that are happening around this storyline. Like the Johnny stuff, the way that story is being told. How do you make it work with the Dream is Champion? Unless I, I mean, you know, how's that play out? Tommaso and Johnny reunite to get the belt back onto Tommaso.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm 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 trying to figure it out too. I don't want to do uh, that.
0: Doesn't feel quite right.
1: I'm I'm not gonna prognosticate because I just I just don't know. Um, and then finally, the War Games match, and I think we're getting a traditional War Games cage, which with a cover. I don't think we're getting the same one as last time, but I could be wrong on that. But it is the War Raiders Ricochet and Pete Dunn taking on the Undisputed Era of. Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish.
0: I think this is going to be a great match. I think that the Undisputed Era is going to come up short. They have the classic heels advantage, which is just good booking. But they did do a lot to set up injuries and stuff going into this match, right? They they injured two people in one week at the end of this episode.
1: Yeah, I'm... Uh... The undisputed era won the war games last time, I believe. I, I think. Right. I, I think it's very interesting, though, that they continue to play up the um, the ricochet Pete Dunne still can't get along thing. Because I could see them having the undisputed era win again this year. Because Dunn and Ricochet... Well, oh,
0: they set the two injuries, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like They've given themselves some outs to beat the babyface team and not make them look bad.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, I could also see this being the time where one of the Undisputed Era kind of gets a little bit full of himself or becomes a quote-unquote weak link. I could see them doing a Larry Zabisco Dangerous Alliance storyline with a Bobby Fish. Or I could see them having Roddy Strong being a little bit too, too chesty here and kind of getting getting in the way of the rest of the Undisputed Era. I could see that being the reason that they they lose as well. Um, but I am gonna go I'm gonna go traditional. I'm gonna say the baby faces win this. I, I think the babyface team uh, has some miscues at first, and then they just overcome. Right, and right. They, they
0: get on the page eventually. Like, I think this done and Ricochet thing, we are building to one more match between them, but I think this time it's going to be kind of a respect thing, but they're going to go all out. But I, I think that they managed to work through differences, at least on this night.
1: I have a weird prop bet for you, and I don't even okay. know how to answer it myself. Every single NXT TakeOver, we've had a major indie star in the crowd watching who was a recent signee. Who is it going to be this time?
0: Oh. Man. um, Who is it going to be this time? Who do you think it's going to be?
1: I have no idea because I don't know who's out there on the market that they haven't signed. Right, yeah, I'm, that's that what I was trying to think to. about. That's, is- that's the weird thing is always around this time they have a big signing. And they should What's that up with Neville? Oh he no, he's not coming back. Okay. There's no way he's coming back, I don't think. No, he's out on the Indies now doing uh
0: Well oh, I saw that he wrapped up on Japan the other day, so I, I was just like wondering if there's any chatter about that. I, I don't know. You
1: know what? It's weird because they were talking about main roster guys coming into NXT and Triple H had this big thing about Well, my goal for this is that we get some guys in there and they never go to the main roster. They're just here on NXT and it's not seen as a demotion.
0: Well, you would have to fix the paycheck. Well let me
1: yeah, but let me posit something to you. Maybe Pac slash Neville's bad relationship is only with Vince. He was treated well in NXT. He was their champion.
0: He was treated well in 205 Live. He was a dominant champion on there as well, and he was very, very good for the brand. Not Unlike the the trained dude, Neville was actually good and was a top-dominant heel that really carried that show. He's good. If
1: you could guarantee that he had no interaction with anybody from the main roster in terms of creativity, like he could just go live in Orlando, do the NXT tapings, and then come to do takeovers... I could see them re-signing him, but right now I don't have, there's no real major name out there I can think of that is a free agent that they'll show, that they could show and go, yeah, this is the guy. So uh, those of you who, who are a little bit more attuned to the indie scene than I am, tell me who it is. T- tell me who you think that might show up unexpectedly or might be a recent signee that I may not just be missing or forgetting that that shows up on uh nxt takeover because uh, it's
0: usually a man and a woman so so there, there's two people potentially you could toss out there
1: okay yeah maybe uh you can follow the show at shake them ropes basically it's just when the episodes upload the tweets uh you follow me at crap game 13 you follow chris at chris novembrino chris give them the plugs and give them the patreon
0: Okay, our Patreon is patreon.com slash shake them ropes. So please go there and tip us, tip my cats, tip Jeff Hawkins. And you can go and check out my other work, which is Don't Worry About the Government. There's a new episode out just this week. You can find that at don'tworry.tv and on iTunes and Stitcher. There's also a premium episode that was out this week and that is up at patreon.com slash DWATG. I also host the All in the Family podcast. We're going episode by episode through the television show all in the Family, taking a look at the episodes, taking a look at what was going on in the culture at the time, how it parallels society today. You can binge listen to that just in a big long listen on iTunes and or Stitcher. So check it out. You can also go to All in the Family
1: I have no tag for the end of the show.
0: <laughs> you get to prepare these, man. <laughs>